The following is a fourth hand production. I regret only one murder. Murder. And that was of Minnie Williams. Because I think I loved her. Take a walk inside his castle. Oblivious to what he's after. Check in for H.H. Holmes on this week's Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that believes there is no spoon. 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 There is no spoon. Um, I mean, wait, wait, what, what's going on? Anyway, welcome to Hysteria 51. Can't we all agree that America's first serial killer was shredded wheat? <laughs> Wait, what is happening? Sorry, glitch in the matrix. Deja vu of last week's show. Continue. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I am your host, John Goforth. That other confused human voice you heard is my co-captain on this journey, Mr. Brent Hand. Brent, last week we talked simulation theory, and now everywhere I go, I, I see little signs that make me wonder if we actually could be onto something. You know, that's a really hard question to answer. Could I be the one? Sure. Am I the one? Maybe. Could any of us know for sure? Who knows? But I can tell you, I immensely enjoyed the Jet Li vehicle. Wait, wait. no. I said that. Like, what the fuck is going on, Seabot? Wow. He is the one. Hysteria Nation seemed so excited by last week's episode on simulation theory that I'm making it real. Or simulated. Or making the real. Ugh. You know what I mean. Wait, you think you're making this show better with bad jokes, worse editing, and cheesy sound effects? <laughs> it kind of felt like looking in a mirror after a week in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I am not liking the direction this whole thing's going. Brent, you do some tinkering on him so he doesn't mess with the show anymore like that? And done. <laughs> Great. Now uh, I'm quick. Uh, you're good. I'm an I'm a savant minus the idiot part. <laughs> your, your or maybe said, an idiot minus savant part. I don't know. One of the, one or the other. Your wife said the same thing. <laughs> I'm gonna rewind the tape and let's just try this whole fucking thing again. Find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to Hysteria 51. We're your hosts, John Goforth and Brent Hand. What is up, GoFo? Alongside is the third member of this party, Conspiracy Bot. Robot. Did someone say something about partying? And 
He's back. Good job. Well done. Seabot <laughs> is a robot Brent created hastily, one might say. He malfunctions fairly often. I'll give you a malfunction. I have no doubt you would try. He's also our head researcher and chooses the topics each week. Seabot, what or who are we talking about this week? Plugged in and powered up. It's the cranky conspiracy bot with tonight's topic. You're all idiots. Well, idiots, this week we're staying right here in Chicago and taking a look at America's first serial killer, H.H. Holmes, and his murder castle. Back to serial killers, John. At least the printer's still working after you did all the adjustments. <laughs> Not a lot of dot matrix parts left in the world. All right, all right, nice. He's actually, Mr. Holmes, has been in the news lately. His descendants had his body exhumed to prove that he's actually in the grave and didn't escape his execution. No kidding. I just picked it because he lived somewhere called a murder castle. Of course you did. Other than this idiot, I see we have a guest on as well. And make that plural, guests. Now, more clueless nonsense with our special guest. That we do, Brent. Do you like the, my S's there, John? I, I, I thought it was really well done. I mean, this new equipment's really paying off. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first guest needs no introduction other than he has his own bumper, Mr. Joseph Peck. Pecker! Pecker! His name is Pecker. Joe, welcome back. Hey, thanks, guys. Long-time listener. Actually, long-time guest, and you don't listen. That's the problem we have with you. That's <laughs> what my mom always told me growing yeah. up. Like, you, I hey, never listen. Hey, you know what happened last week on the show, Joe? Nope. <laughs> Damn it. That's why this is probably going to be the last time he's ever on here. I, I feel like deja vu. <laughs> is that another glitch in the Matrix? <laughs> All right. Our other guest tonight is our favorite author from Los Angeles, the one, the only, Mr. Michael Gonzalez. Hey, guys. What's going on? Well, we're living the dream, Mike. Living <laughs> The dream. John's literally like looking at Brent confused by that question, Michael, because he's just like, I, we're obviously <laughs> recording a podcast. Yeah, I'm, yeah, recording. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep the banter alive. I'm, I am lubed up and ready to talk about John Holmes. What the hell are you talking about, John Holmes? I told him we were doing the episode on John Holmes. I thought it would be funny if he was only prepared to talk about porn. Now, don't get me wrong. I think H.H. Holmes was a really big dick, but <laughs> that's taking it a little far. We're going to learn that that isn't factual about him, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let, me, let me get some Gatorade in me to rehydrate, and then I'll be ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, Brent, it's time to give the kids what they want. We're talking H.H. Holmes tonight. How's it going to go down? Well, first, we're going to dive into the Holmes history and how he and his murder castle came to be situated in Chicago. Murder Castle. Murder Castle. <laughs> we'll need a drink after that, so we'll take a break and pour some fresh ones. For our homies. Then we'll get into who he killed and how he did it, followed by a deeper dive into the investigation, subsequent capture and execution. Question mark on that one there. Ooh. We'll finish mm. up with our thoughts on this whole mess. Ah, uh, the part no one cares about. But before all that, John, why don't you give everyone a Reader's Digest, a Gophopedia, if you will, entry on Mr. H.H. H. Holmes. We really do need to buy Gophopedia. It just right. links to our page. There yep. you go. <laughs> Born with the unfortunate moniker Herman Mudgett. Mr. Herman, Mr. Herman, you have a telephone call at the front desk. 
In New Hampshire, Holmes showed crazy early on in life when he began torturing animals as a child. Still, he was a smart boy who later graduated from the University of Michigan with a medical degree. Holmes financed his education with a series of insurance scams whereby he requested coverage for non-existent people and then presented corpses as the insured. In 1886, Holmes moved to Chicago to work as a pharmacist on Chicago's South Side. Through a series of cons, Holmes raised enough money to build a giant elaborate home across from the store. Home? Home. Yeah, I see what you did there. The home. home. The home. home. Okay, that's enough, gentlemen. The home, which, which Holmes called the castle, had secret passageways, fake walls, and trap doors. Some of the rooms were soundproof, connected by pipes to a gas tank in the basement. His bedroom had controls that would fill these rooms with gas. Holmes's basement also contained a lab with equipment used for dissections and a giant furnace. Young women in the area, along with tourists who had come to see the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago, or it might be known the Columbian Expo, had rented out rooms in Holmes's castle. Those women suddenly began disappearing. Medical schools purchased many human skeletons from Dr. Holmes, allegedly, during this period and never asked how he obtained said anatomy specimens. Holmes was finally caught after attempting to use another corpse in an insurance scam. He confessed, saying, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet could help the inspiration to sing. Law enforcement attributed nine murders to Holmes. He confessed to 27, and some authorities and historians believe the number could top 200. Real quick, right off the top, when he said that quote, did he use that horrible accent like you did? I like to think he did. I know he did. That's why I did it. I, I was literally imitating him. Is it a mustache thing? It is. <laughs> is that it, when, when, Brent when and I you, could never. When you had listen, H. H. Holmes was a fucking monster, but he had a beautiful mustache. I just want to state that out from the get go. And when you have a beautiful mustache, that is how you speak. Mm. A mustache, a mustache. If you've only got a mustache, like this guy, just sounds like all sorts of party. I think him and Seema would have got along real well. Robot. This guy, he, you're right. He he was a looker for the time. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I, I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever we love rosetta stone and we actually are users david you've really been using it even for longer than i what's your experience been like oh it's been great the thing is uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it so it's very high on pronunciation too so <laughs> you can you know learn how to speak and you know our show is all about proper pronunciation <laughs> in that pronunciation yeah that's right but it's it, they designed it for long term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people, millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm -hmm. it it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. 
I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. But what does that mean in 1890? He, he didn't look like he had polio. Right. <laughs> he, he, he had at least 80% of his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Including most the front ones. Which, which are the lookers? Yes. Wasn't a hunchback and didn't walk with a limp. Whoa. <laughs> he was one of 14 in Chicago at the time. <laughs> that's, that's what they call a cat. Okay. Brent, tell us about his early life and, and a little bit of the history behind him. Can we call this pre-Murder Castle? Because I want to get that word in as much as possible. Uh, well, murder yeah, Castle. PMC. Not to be confused with a rape dungeon, but a murder castle. In other words, not to be confused with your home. You Didn't you notice why I moved the studio from the basement to the attic? We're converting. <laughs> the lower fourth dimension is a weird and wild you'd place. Be, you'd be hard pressed now. Not you'd be. I was hard pressed to find a contractor who could work under such, uh, you know, demanding conditions. Well, that's, that's why you needed three, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm done, there'll only be one. So, yeah. Mr. H.H. H. Holmes was born Mr. on Holmes. <laughs> yes, that, that, that gentleman right there. On May 16th, 1861 in Gilmington, New Hampshire. All the good things happened in New Hampshire, mm. but not Delaware. 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 
Imagine being able to be magically whisked away to Delaware. Hi. I'm in Delaware. <laughs> the third among four siblings, Holmes was named Herman Webster Mudgett. That just rolls off the tongue. I mean, okay. with the name like that, weren't you destined to be a serial killer? <laughs> I, th- I think it's also kind of cool. Like Herman, like Herman Munster, one of the tallest characters on TV. And then Webster, one of the smallest characters <laughs> on TV. A name which he discarded later in life, which was one of his more smooth moves. Yeah, probably probably well advised. Growing up, Holmes was raised in a devout Methodist family. Although his family was affluent, Holmes had a difficult childhood. His father was a violent drunk, and his mother was said to be a bit crazy. As soon as I get home, the first thing I'm going to do is punch (laughs) your mama in the mouth. That's audio from uh, Holmes' father. Mr. Mudgett. Mr. Mudge in one of his one of his alcohol fueled rages. Th- Thomas Edison literally literally recorded that himself. That's on one of those tin type Rolodex yes. things where they, they woman. Them. If you look at me at dinner again, I will slap the hell out of you. Good day. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> Name a woman in one of these stories when they're looking back that wasn't said to be a bit crazy. Like no matter what, that was just what they said about women of the time. No, like, overly dramatic about it, Chuck. <laughs> Get her some laudlum is what I say. <laughs> where's, where's mom? She's been upstairs for the last three years. <laughs> she had a toothache. <laughs> so Holmes was bullied as a child. Surprise, surprise. Having run-ins with bullies who forced him to face death by making him touch a skeleton at the local's doctor's office. They describe this actually as a turning point in his life. If you look in the book from, from devil in the white city, he described it as going to the doctor's office and face to face with a skeleton. It was a wicked and dangerous thing to do to a child of tender ears and health. Holmes said, though he admits that the experience cured him of his fears of death. He attributes his desire to go into the medicine from this incident. And he actually said that the boys held the hands of the skeleton on his face and they were trying to scare him and he giggled and laughed. And they're like, um, if he were, if he were a superhero, this would be like his origin story. Yeah. This is being, this is like being bitten by the radioactive. Well, I spider. guess this is the supervillain origin story. Cause they, yeah. they have origin stories too. Yeah, anytime you put a dead thing on someone and they go, <laughs> that's probably, I don't know. Also actual audio. <laughs> yeah. That's when it's like, uh, does somebody know the teenage Bruce Wayne? Because we're going to need him. <laughs> yeah, actually back. Does anyone know Aloysius Wayne? Yes. <laughs> so another, notable incident from Holmes's childhood was potentially his first kill and this is from the podcast Serial Killers we had a clip if you will see but though he spent most of his time alone Holmes had an older friend named Tom who he would explore the town with one day while they were exploring an abandoned house together <gasps> Tom fell off a landing and plummeted to his death it can't be entirely proven But it's generally thought that Holmes, curious what it would be like to see someone die, pushed his friend off the landing. That was the inspiration for the film The Good Son, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Also Uh, a documentary. Holmes played by Macaulay Culkin, who's aged about as well as Holmes. We'll find out after we see his (laughs) exhumed body. (laughs) Speaking of skeletal form. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you, Seabot. I feel like that's not the last time you're going to need that today. Speaking of Macaulay Culkin, one of my favorite games, 80 Star Alive or Dead. Is he alive? Mm-hmm. Of course he well, is. Yes. I mean, how do you define alive, mm. really? I mean, <laughs> they've been doing that. Uh, They've been doing that Wigan at Bernie's with them for about two and a half years. <laughs> what if what if the body they pull out of H.H. Holmes' grave turns out to be Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> and he's got a oh. tape boy in his hand and it's just like, gotcha, sucker. <laughs> got your ass. Come on! So then he graduates from the local high school in 1877, a time when I'm sure the the curriculum was, was top-notch. Top-notch. Well, he, he was 16 years old. He had learned phrenology so far. Which, I'll have you know, I have a phrenologist skull in my basement. It nice. does have sunglasses yeah. and a visor on, but it's a phrenologist skull, just the same. Well, sort I of think like it's... the phrenology prodigy. He got started at such a young age when he was forced into it. You know, they're making him touch a skull. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ridges and bumps. He's, he's he's the Tiger Woods of phrenology. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm pretty sure in New Hampshire at that time, part of the reason his mom was considered a bit crazy is one time she got uppity and told him two plus two equals four. <laughs> they're like, that woman's crazy. <laughs> Mother, are you doing math? Is she doing math? <laughs> <laughs> to the laudum pits with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so two years later, he went to the University of Vermont, but left it midway through as he was not satisfied with the yeah, curriculum big, there. Big move up, New yeah. Hampshire to Vermont. So, well, so, and, and, and I mean, he wasn't satisfied with the curriculum. Is that like another way to say there just weren't enough bitches to kill? That or <laughs> the professors didn't send him home with dead babies to dissect, which is literally <laughs> the shit that went on when he moved to Michigan, which was his next years of curriculum. So he goes to the University of Michigan where he studied medicine and surgery and attained a degree therein in 1884. So while in med school, Holmes happened upon his second favorite crime, insurance fraud. I disagree with that line. I believe that fraud and insurance is his first favorite crime. Fuck you. You can disagree all you want. I'm still right and you're wrong. (laughs) Well, you did write this, so you're an idiot because I think that he didn't love murder. I think he loved fucking making making cheese, making that money, and murder was just an easy way for him to come about it. We look at... He's showing some incredible range here because usually it's like, hey, what's your favorite two crimes? Oh, I like assault and battery, which are pretty closely related, <laughs> yeah. you know, but this is like, what do you do? I kill people. What else? Yeah. I run insurance scams. Yeah. <laughs> what are you in prison for? Rape and computer fraud. <laughs> right. Along those lines, what's your favorite music? Well, we play both kinds, country and Western. Yeah, right? <laughs> Shoplifting and pedophilia. Oh, there it is. That's the taste. Yeah. Always. Every time I'm on the show. God. Every time the show Every time happens. you're not on the show, Every time too. the show's on the air. Let's yeah. not church it up. <laughs> Pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so you would take out insurance policies on fictitious people then because he was in school and had access to... To cadavers as you do that they didn't i don't know keep tabs on he'd steal cadavers from the med school disfigure them to make them unrecognizable and collect the deceased person's insurance policy the fun part about that he used acid to disfigure them i mean just imagine that saturday afternoon <laughs> uh, i'm going to the lab I'll, I'll, I'll be back uh what are you doing not much Gets there. All uh, right. I got a body here. Uh, got some acid. I it, like, um, have you ever on Facebook seen the tasty videos 
where they, they have the camera <laughs> oh, hanging yeah. over and they show you how they, they make a... <laughs> I want to see the tasty video of him disfiguring a cadaver. <laughs> All right, got the acid here. Uh, three quarters cup. I don't have a hydrochloric. It says here, though, battery acid will do. Here we go. <laughs> I was kind of hoping he would do it by punching them. Like he was dragging a corpse through the hallway and someone's like, sir, that looks like my mother. And then he's like, bap, bap, bap. Uh, look again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a so, bad scene from Rocky. Here's my other question. This is this is pre-electricity. Who was holding the candle as he's dragging these bodies around hallways? Like, it's got to be a little bit tough. Well, the guy was clearly here. ahead of his time in ingenuity, I think. That Holmes, look at the size of his backpack. Like, <laughs> like how did this not set off some red Little lines? known fact, he Wait. was the inventor of the candle beanie. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Holmes. So from 1884 to 1886, he did a number of odd jobs at various places, including Moore's Forks, New York, and Philadelphia, before finally moving to Chicago. Um, I believe that's in the lower fourth dimension, if I'm not mistaken. His notorious hunting ground, (laughs) (laughs) one might say. He was involved in a few cases regarding the disappearance of a boy in New York and the death of another in Philadelphia. And 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 let me me expand on the death of another in Philadelphia. So Philadelphia was the first place that he purported himself to be a pharmacist. Keep in mind, he had a medical degree, not a a pharmaceutical degree. He just went in, gave a fake name, said, yeah, I'm a pharmacist. Killed somebody by giving them the wrong prescription on purpose. Well, Well, I guess I can't prove on purpose, but. Allegedly. If this is hysteria 51, just claim it. (laughs) Death followed him wherever he went. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're saying in West Philadelphia, you've got Mudgett up to no good, kind of making trouble in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, he got one little death accusation and his self got scared and said, you're moving with your... Self to Chicago. barrels. Doesn't work as well. It doesn't work as well. Well, That's why he started killing people. That's right. That's right. We'll have to have John write it because if you go back to our Philadelphia Experiment episode, John wrote a nice little rap. That was my finest piece of writing. (laughs) So, of course, he denied involvement in both these cases and changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes, Mr. H. H. Holmes, before moving to Chicago. And now again. Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes. Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, you have a telephone call at the front desk. Uh, no one there by this name. Uh, no one here by that name. Don't know what you're talking about. Oh, how I've missed oh. you, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to our fair city of Chicago and the murder castle. Castle <laughs> No conspiracy, but it's not the same thing. He, he's, got a, he's got a thing for page boy haircuts and furry underoos so <laughs> well it does raise an interesting question what so, makes it a castle like, like do you just say it's a castle and suddenly everyone's like oh that's not a mansion it's a castle i know the answer to this question battlements mm. <laughs> battlements Battle- i thought it was maybe to like avoid the confusion between homes and his home like are battlements kind of like pop rocks they, they fight it out in your mouth what's a battlement <laughs> I think mm. as soon as you start having dead people and and uh, imprisoned people in your basement, it sort of becomes a castle. Oh, there that's it a is. good call. It does, it yeah. yeah. Castle Grayskull. <laughs> there were not dead people. Well, I guess we don't know. Conspiracy you don't know what right? E-Man was up to. That's true. It's very true. I mean, especially when he was Adam. He, he dressed kind of oddly. Uh, I mean, we can all admit that. Yeah. So as we stated, Holmes was an accomplished con artist at this point. He had pretended to be a pharmacist in Philadelphia. He had run dozens of insurance rods. He used fake identities and created fake companies. So Holmes gets to Chicago, and it's just ripe for serial killers. Thousands of people come in on the train each day 
hardly a police force to speak of. And let's let Adam tell us a little bit more about Chicago at that time. Now you're thinking, who the hell's Adam? No, not Prince of Eternia with those Grayskull <laughs> drop-ins. But we have a little bit of an interview from, <laughs> from Adam Seltzer. Adam wrote a couple books on Holmes, which you're going to get in that now, later. Conspiracy Bot, what are the names of his books? Inside the Murder Castle, Investigating Chicago's First Serial Killer, H.H. H. Holmes, and H.H. H. Holmes, The True History of the White City Devil. Thank you. So Adam, tell us a little bit more about it. One thing was the world's, with the World's Fair coming up, everybody thought they were going to get rich, which made it a swindler's paradise. Um, Holmes never He never really opened a hotel, but he said that he was going to. That allowed him to swindle money out of investors who thought they were going to get rich, suppliers who thought they were making a big sale. Uh, insurance companies were only too happy to take his money. Uh, he would just wander around as suppliers, like furniture dealers, hardwood floor dealers, with a piece of paper saying, I'm H.S. Campbell and I own this building. Give this H.H. Holmes guy all your stuff. Off and I'll give you the money later. And that worked. <laughs> and, yeah, at the time, that was a damn good pitch, right? Yeah, that was, you know, everybody was uh, everybody was so eager to get rich off of World's Fair preparations that they weren't really doing too many credit checks or anything. And it's kind of like uh, I, I went to college in the late 90s, early 2000s, kind of like credit card companies at that time. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember I was in college at the same time. They were like setting up on campus, yeah. practically remember, handing uh, out money. A t-shirt yes, and a two liter. I'm in. Here, here's <laughs> yeah. my social or just anyone. So like, what's up? <laughs> I just signed up for hey. two, but yeah, I'll take a third. Why not? There is a th- 30% APR, but you get a pack of gum. <laughs> <laughs> and so to add on what Adam was saying, Chicago, like much of the industrialized West at that point, was just ripe for it. There are thousands and thousands of people coming in on the trains every day to this huge urban area. They say that two people literally got hit by trains every day. So it's literally exactly like it is. <laughs> John was on a train last week that hit a person, and that's, it happens all the time. That's not a lie. I literally was on a train that, that hit somebody. Um, the uh, but but Chicago was it was this huge growing place. Uh, women at the time, if they were going to go learn about themselves and discover themselves, would go to the quote unquote big city. It was it was it was hugely industrialized. Big part of the economy was based in the slaughterhouses uh, and, and the meatpacking industry here in Chicago. Which, if you ever read Upton Sinclair's uh, The Jungle, was based on that. It was it was it was a big big mess and there was not a police force much to speak of which it it all set up the kind of the perfect environment for a serial killer john didn't you move here to discover yourself (laughs) i did and if you ever show anyone those photos we will have words i'll sell them cheap just leave me a voicemail so holmes gets to the black city and and it was a black city they called it because it was dirty it was all industrial and and soot and and everything everywhere and he decides he'd like to be back in the pharmacy business so he finds a nice pharmacy in inglewood if you're familiar with chicago right now inglewood maybe not the place you'd choose to settle Uh, but but Back in the day, Inglewood was one of the burgeoning areas of Chicago. Everyone wanted to live there. It was a very, very nice area to live in, and that's where uh, Holmes decided to settle. So in August of 1886, he arrives in Chicago and immediately got a job at the drugstore owned by an Elizabeth S. Holton and her husband. He proved himself to be a hardworking employee and eventually buys the store. We're going to go back to Adam here, and he kind of talks about that because a lot of the history books will tell you one thing about Holton, and then a lot of them will tell you another. So let's let Adam kind of clear the air here. 
Yeah, and mo- most versions of the story, he also killed them, or they mysteriously disappeared, and right, it's right. generally hinted at. Yeah, so uh, really, what, what I found yeah. after digging through medical directories and stuff is do- it wasn't an old doctor and his wife. It was a young doctor and her husband. Um it was uh, Elizabeth Holton was only a few years older than Holmes was, and they they both. I, I've got a selfie at their graves. They both survived for quite a while. <laughs> I, I actually I saw that they I saw your selfie. That's uh, that's awesome. They out, they outlived Holmes, right? Which is funny. Because, oh yeah, by by decades. Yeah, and, and it's funny because they say no one knows what happened to her, and you're like, I do. She's right here. Yeah, well, there it is. <laughs> yep, she was she was fine. It's okay. They always say like, oh, he disappeared, and then if you go online, you can actually literally see a picture of Adam standing there in front of their graves. In front of their graves, <laughs> they did not disappear. They outlived. Homes by decades. But what is true is before he even owned the damn thing, he started taking out lines of credit against the pharmacy <laughs> to go buy things. That's um, why you guys started this podcast, right? To take out lines of credit against well, it. I, I use it against John because it's all in right. his name. But, you know, oh, yeah, similar, yeah. And, similar. And buy all that it, furniture. And I put it all under Joe Peck. So I, it's that, a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, so furniture, fixtures, other items he never had any intention of paying for. He, he of course. Which is the, the running thing with him. He always did everything and passed the buck, so to speak. But there's no buck coming from him to pass through all these fraudulent enterprises he quickly amassed a decent chunk of change and remember he actually came from an affluent family this man has never been hard off he's never had to do an honest day's work in his entire life well he would refuse to exactly with that money that he's amassed he bought a large lot across the street from the pharmacy where construction began in 1887 of a two-story mixed-use building with apartments on the second floor, mixed use. That is an understatement, <laughs> That right? is a great euphemism for a murder castle. Right there. <laughs> castle Grayskull. So he's got apartments on the second floor, retail spaces on the bottom floor, including a new drugstore. Uh, this part's funny. We're going to let Adam explain that also. He sold it to somebody not mentioning that he was starting a larger drugstore right across the street. He had sold the rights to the pharmacy to someone else and then opened a bigger, better pharmacy. And stole the fixtures while he was doing it. So, Murder Castle. <laughs> like, castle Grayskull. I think it is time. When the castle was completed in 1892, the castle, the castle. I just love that we keep using that. Everyone refers to it. The People large refer to it as building. The, at, at the time, they didn't refer to it as the murder castle, obviously, but they did refer to it as the castle. <laughs> I like to think they did. There's that murder castle. I mean, my four-year-old <laughs> niece refers to the high-rise I live in as a castle. So, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I thought you, you were going to say murder castle. And I was like, we need well, to. <laughs> which, let's be honest, the, the, uh, the reporting in the Tribune and other papers at the time were about as accurate as probably your four-year-old niece. About <laughs> approximately. <laughs> Tr- you mean trunk? Turn to the facts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when the castle was completed in 1892, Holmes announced that he would rent out rooms to tourists arriving in mass for the upcoming World's Fair. Now, as we you said before, it was also called the Columbian Exposition. It's not like a fair where you think like, oh, it's for the weekend or the week. This is like six months solid of people not only coming to see the fair, staying for long periods of time. You know what's crazy, though? You know what was exactly like fairs today about it? Bachman Turner Overdrive reunited for the entire six months every night. (laughs) So if you're not if you haven't read uh, The Devil in the White City. Uh, it's a book that tells two stories concurrently. It tells the story of H.H. H. Holmes 
it uh which which are never which, heard of them who which our guest uh that, that we've been referencing adam takes a lot of a lot of issue with yeah. some of the facts in there but uh, it tells the story of hh H. holmes concurrently with the story of the columbian exposition uh, the, the world's fair that went on and how holmes perhaps even preyed upon folks that were coming there and and had this and, and had this uh this plan the whole time to utilize it so most of the third floor so he, he I say third floor. He decides he's going to put up a third floor onto his two-story castle just for this for rooms. But according to our guest, it turns out that that he was really just doing that. It's another scam. Yeah, they said like if you went to the roof and walked, your feet would go through the fucking roof. Like it was, as Adam put it, paper mache almost. It was such poorly put together. Papier mache. What is papier mache? <laughs> <laughs> So most of the rooms were comfortably furnished and nondescript, allegedly, provided the guests could locate the rooms at all because they were scattered among oddly angled narrow corridors with poor lighting from widely spaced gas jets on the wall, dead ends, stairways that led nowhere and were interspersed with locked doors to which only homes had the key. So one of these locked doors was adjacent to Holmes' personal office, and it contained a walk-in bank vault that had been modified to include a gas pipe. Only Holmes could control this particular gas flow via a panel hidden in his bedroom closet. And the thing about this this bank vault, he would have people over and he'd go, do you guys know that this is completely soundproof? Go ahead. And he'd put someone in there and have them scream. And was like, oh, I can't hear anything. And he's like, oh, isn't that amazing? Who'd have, think, who'd have thought you couldn't hear anything in there? And it's almost like you could kill someone in that motherfucker. <laughs> 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 Mr. Holmes, are you okay? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's hilarious. Order. Good day. <laughs> So the second floor was more even confusing, containing 51 doors and six hallways. So what what you're thinking to yourself right now is what fucking construction company agrees to do this, (laughs) right? I want to know the realtor who tried to create the description when they put this thing on the market (laughs) (laughs) to make 51 rooms on their doors on the second floor sound awesome. Quaint, spacious. When it, when it, when it got listed on the, on the MLS. (laughs) The Zillow listing is quite spectacular. Instead of hiring like one person to do it because he thought they're going to catch on to the fact that this makes no fucking sense. And they would have, he'd hire one. And then he would fire him. And actually, Adam went into a little bit of how that happened. Some of that's more myth than fact, but certainly he he managed not to pay his bills. He initially contracted Edna Iron and Steel to provide the labor and construction, which they did. But then he would never pay the bills. And when they sued him, he said, oh, well, you sent me one of the I-beams you sent me was six inches too short. So that makes the whole contract null and void, and I don't have to pay. So you you fuck this up. You're fired, and he brings another company in, and he only gives them part of the plan. And he used like three or more construction companies to build this thing, and none of them really knew what the fuck they were building, and they didn't get to work in the other areas that were already completed. So it never really caught on that, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Right. Some accounts of the story say that, you know, he was firing and hiring people over the course of three seasons. Literally hundreds of workers uh, worked on it and had no idea what they were building. According to Adam, uh, it was a lot less, but still uh, enough got fired where no one could actually track, you know, this room versus that room, this floor versus that floor. So they had 30 
35 rooms with ordinary bed chambers, but others were either airtight and lined with asbestos-coated steel plates or completely soundproof. Some were tiny with low ceilings, no bigger than closets. Most of these rooms were rigged with gas pipes connected to that same control panel we talked about in Holmes' closet and equipped with special peepholes. Not peephole, but peep holes. Many were fitted with alarms that sounded in Holmes' quarters if a guest tried to escape. The castle's second story also contained trap doors, secret passageways, hidden closets with sliding panels, with sliding panels, and most terrifying, large grease shaft shafts leading directly to the cellar. And that goes back to John Holmes. So, <laughs> word. This is what everyone's going to tell you about the murder castle. Adam, as you're going to find out researching this said most of this came from a 1930s or 40s pulp book and none of that shit was really in there it's just been exaggerated let's hear from adam uh, but yeah the, there's the the map going around with like the death chute the room of the three corpses the yeah. black closet the maze and uh, that, that's from a new york tabloid that basically invented the idea of holmes as we think of him today they were the first ones who said maybe he used this hotel to allure world's fair patrons to their death i, I was having a conversation with someone recently that is like oh man the the thing that amazes me the most was that you know the the murder castle and i was kind of saying the same thing like i think most of that's made up you know and they're like no 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 that's not true and it sounds no, like quite, it, quite a bit of it is really yeah. You know, but when the, when the police started investigating it, when they, when they started finding the dead bodies that he'd killed elsewhere, they remember, hey, didn't this guy have a building that was supposed to be full of hidden rooms, full of stolen furniture? Maybe we should investigate that. <laughs> we had we had this new police chief on the job. His uh, previous three months before, the guy had been an animal feed dealer. <laughs> but the new police chief, the new mayor liked the cut of his jib, so he made him the police chief, despite the fact that he had zero experience whatsoever in any related field. And he decided, I must have solved every unsolved murder of the last five years. Yeah, and for about a week, and... the cops and the reporters just dug through the place. We found a rope. He must have been hanging people. <laughs> uh, so, well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. So, Brickline and Dark, the cellar, the cellar, the basement of the murder castle was comparable to a dungeon, and the various apparatus stored there only added to terror. What did he keep? Well, he kept an acid tank. Quicklime vats, a dissecting table, and surgeon's cabinet, and eventually a contraption of his own invention. He called it the Elasticity Determinator. <laughs> he claimed it could stretch experimental subjects to twice their normal height. No. Why did he want to do that, John? Uh, well, he's going to create a race of giants, of, of course. course. That just makes sense. When police found the device, they compared it to a medieval torture rack. Also in that basement, a giant fucking furnace. That's fun. Uh, the weird thing about the furnace would get really fucking hot. Hmm, that is puzzling for a furnace. He <laughs> 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 was the real trailblazer building one of those hot furnaces. <laughs> Can I finish? 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 Mr. Perot, you have the floor. The weird part was he said it got that hot because he was going to bend glass in it, yet it would only hold the size of a human body, not of long glass rods. And he had no experience in glass bending whatsoever, though he defrauded many people out of it, as he does, by taking money for glass bending, then he never did it. So that brings us to break time. Woo! 
because uh, yeah, it's well, enough. I gotta pee. I, uh, and that's talking enough. about glass. That's a great intro to break. That's enough spell on the picture of where he did all his uh, evil. Let's talk about the people that fell victim to him. So we're going to talk about that when we get back with Hysteria 51. <laughs> Welcome back, Hysteria Nation. I hope you went to the bathroom, because I certainly did. Let's get right into it, Brent. Let's talk about the victims, and I don't mean of my bathroom break. I I don't even have a, a joke or anything. I don't even know why you just said that. I hope you went to the bathroom, because I certainly did. Hey, can we I, hang on? I gotta go to the bathroom. I wiped my own ass. <laughs> I wiped my own ass. I meant number one, Brent. Mike, Mike, did you tinkle while we were gone? Uh, Hold on. Wait. Uh... And now I'm done. Now you're, yeah. in, you're in California. Oh, while you're gone, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're in California. That means the toilet flushes the opposite direction, right? By that I mean uh, the, the shit. Like that, the shit it? just rises. Sit on it, Ponzi. <laughs> 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 All right, John. I digress. As you were saying, I said I just want to talk about the victims. I mean, that's who is important here. The victims of Holmes. Uh, there, there were tons of them. Uh, Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Most of the attributed victims Holmes knew. Uh, most of them were women he either hired or married or <laughs> promised to marry. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was the Marian type, that's was, for sure. <laughs> well, he didn't have a limp, who's, as we said the before. the real victim there? <laughs> let's, uh, let's hit on some of the major ones. So first we got the Connors. Roseanne! <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to find out towards the end of this that it was all a dream. And, uh, <laughs> the scariest part of this entire episode is what I'm about to say. They're bringing Roseanne back. That is true. I don't know that I'm against that. Uh, Sarah Chalk is hot. so oh, She okay. is hot. She's much better on Scrubs, though. I yeah. love Scrubs. is one of my favorite shows ever. Well, and she wasn't like 12 years old, so I'm glad that you liked her better. <laughs> that's, that's the most mysterious part of John's comment. <laughs> you're, you're right. That is the scariest part. For once, I agree wholeheartedly with you, John. We're all doomed. <laughs> so Ned. But we're not talking about uh, Roseanne Connor and Dan Connor. Yeah, we're talking about Ned and Julia Connor. And they moved to Holmes's building with their daughter, Pearl. And Ned began working at his pharmacy's jewelry counter. Holmes began an affair with Julia, as you're one to do. After Ned found out about the affair, he quit his job and moved away. Consider yourself Zing. Zing of the day. Leaving Julia and her daughter Pearl behind. Eh, fuck you, family. Like, I, I feel bad for Pearl, I think, in this situation. Mm, yeah, she got the. So she remained at the hotel, continuing her affair with Holmes, and Julie became pregnant and told Holmes that they must be married, as, you, as you've learned at that time. Like, if you were an um, unwed pregnant woman, they put you out in the shackles almost. Like, there wasn't much they had to do with you. So he promised to marry her as long as she could. As long as he could give her an abortion. Like Paul Anka wrote that song in the 70s. Like, you know, she's having my baby. So like, <laughs> this is like a level of closeness that needs to be immortalized in like a cheesy 70s love ballad. Like, I'm, I'm giving her an abortion. I love it. She's like, I'm pregnant. You have to marry me. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, baby. You have an abortion and I'll marry you. Okay. <laughs> like, no, no, not, hang on. Not just have an abortion. You let me give you an abortion <laughs> personally. <laughs> I, like, I like to think she said, okay, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have I told you about the furnace? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go down to my dungeon. Uh, uh, lab. Lab. This is finally not sucking. <laughs> Death followed him wherever he went. <laughs> so she agrees, and Julie and Pearl disappeared on Christmas of 1891. I'm sure they just went on an adventure. It's Christmas at Ground Zero. Just seconds left to go. Like, oh, God. Conspiracy bot, dude. What? I like Weird Al. Well played. Ned went on to live, but that wasn't for lack of effort on Holmes' part. The, the broker came to Ned and said, listen, I can get you a policy for as low as $1. And Ned said, listen, if you want a dollar that badly, I'll give you a dollar. But I'm not going to buy an insurance policy. Holmes kept going to him and saying, hey, you really need some life insurance. Why don't you buy a life insurance? He, he had his insurance well, gee, guy. John, I, I don't understand. Why would he have been doing that? <laughs> Oh, to kill him. I see. He he eventually said literally, I will give you an insurance policy for one dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you will take out this insurance policy. And Ned, a, a, a man ahead of his times, apparently said, listen, if you need a buck, I'll give you a buck. But fuck you. I don't want the insurance. Oh, and- but then I can't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always weird when you feel bad for the killers. <laughs> it's, for, it's like, look, sir, a, a lot of men nowadays are being stuck in elasticity determinators <laughs> and are not financially prepared. <laughs> Have you looked deeply into my mustache yet? <laughs> Have we considered whether or not in the whole castle, if he was the original timeshare pitch man? <laughs> Is he bringing people in? <laughs> Uh, if you'll sit down here, <laughs> if you'll sit down here, I'll show you the secret gas pipes. <laughs> Seriously, if if you will just buy the condo on the second floor, we can get out of this elasticity determinator yeah. and move on with all of our lives. But I'm already 11 feet tall. <laughs> Listen, you're only in there one week every four years. Like, your odds are low that you're going to be one of the ones I kill. <laughs> <laughs> and now you belong to a race of giants. Yep. So then we move on to... Emmeline Sagrand. That just sounds like 1800s. Emmeline Sagrand. Sigland. Hey, oh, Sagrand's walking over here. I'm sorry, it's Chicago and I can't do it. I live in Chicago. I can't do the accent. Hey, uh, hey, Sagrand, you want some sausage? Yeah. It sounds like she's the heiress to like the, the guy who invented giant cigars. <laughs> Exploding giant cigars. <laughs> she married into the Acme family. Her middle name was Acme. Yeah. Yeah. Emmeline Acme Sagrand. <laughs> One of the most disturbing stories was that of Emmeline, a bright young woman from Indiana who became Holmes's personal secretary. Uh, you gotta, That's with all the bright young You gotta do. love his his daily planner. Uh, death, death, fraud, death. Oh, I, I gotta fill up the gas tanks. What kind of shit was she doing? Well, I, I, oh, I read a lot about Emline and, and various other women that he hired, and they all were referred to in one place or another as a secretary or also as a stenographer. Uh, so I can only imagine Holmes just pacing back and forth. <laughs> right. Kind of like Van Wilder. Yeah. Write this down. Write that down. Write this down. Dictated, <laughs> but not read. So so good old Emmeline uh, finds out that he wants to marry her. She accepts his marriage proposal mm-hmm. and disappears into thin air. Yeah, I think there's a trend starting here, John. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're picking up on it. Holmes. <laughs> 
So Holmes claimed she ran off with another man, but around the time she went missing, Holmes asked two male guests to carry with him a large trunk that was very heavy to the cellar. Uh, I'm sure there was nothing. Hey, how much does Emmeline weigh? Uh, about 135 pounds. Huh, interesting. How much does this trunk weigh? About 135 plus a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. When you hear all this stuff in succession, do you ever just think about like, how unbelievably awesome would it be if he was truly this guy who was like the most down on his luck man that's ever lived and he's walking through life like, come on, really? <laughs> it's like a he, trunk of rocks. Yeah, she really did run off. Like some guy, he's sobbing and sending it off and people are like, how come people get dis- keep disappearing? And he's like, why do you have to bring this up? <laughs> he never killed anyone. Never. He's the most, he's the worst. He's like, uh, Martin Short in the movie Pure Luck. <laughs> All these open gas pipes were literally like gas pipe inst- installers who walked they off the job. They screwed it up. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually fronted all the money for all these things and got just crushed <laughs> picking all the worst contractors. And like one editor for the Chicago Tribune <laughs> yeah. in 1896 like, uh, fuck, we can make a story out of this. He, he, he walked up to the third story and his foot went through the floor and he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> 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 He's Tom Hanks in the money pit. Yes. <laughs> Soon after these guys help him carry this trunk into the basement, Holmes sold a fairly articulated female skeleton to a nearby medical school. Articulated as as it, it not articulate, it didn't speak well. <laughs> he did a good job putting it together. It's unlike us. Well then, yeah, it would have fit in well with us. During the investigation looking for Emmeline, police found a woman's footprint clearly etched in the floor on the inside of the cellar's vault. Holmes later confessed to locking Sagrand in the vault and killing her. He then shipped her trunk full of clothes and personal belongings to her family without explanation. Hey, I don't want this shit laid around the house. Take uh, this shit back. Yeah. So a uh, weird, weird part of this story, footprint etched. Like, how does that happen? And I read it numerous places. And I'm like, how does a footprint get in? I couldn't tell if it was, if it was actually the door, so metal, or the floor, so wood or stone. or what? Like, how does a footprint yeah. get etched? And I finally read somewhere. One account is that to make sure that she wasn't doing anything, that she would die and, like, w- wouldn't, like, try to get out. Or maybe it wasn't fully secure or something Those like that. pesky people trying he, to not die. Right. He poured acid on the floor. Oh. And so her foot literally melted into the correct. cement. That makes sense. Mm. Moving on, because that's a fun story. And it's not gross at all. Minnie and her <laughs> sister, Anna. So to hear about these gals, let's actually head back to Adam and hear his story about this. You you believe that Minnie actually knew a little bit more about Holmes than most did. Could you tell, tell us what she, you meant? She practically had to have. She knew him under the name Harry Gordon, but she was doing it, signing enough paperwork that she had to have known that wasn't his real name. Um, she's a real, really weird X Factor. Her name shows up in a lot of real estate transactions and things. Um, I kind of think that she was uh, trying to use Holmes to get money to relaunch her theatrical career. Which had just fallen apart. She had uh, spent a, a she'd gone to a conservatory in Boston. She tried to launch her own theatrical troupe. Then she, when she finally ran out of money, she decided to go get a real job and uh, ended up working for H. H. Holmes. So there's a re- lesson in here about giving up on your dreams. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, it's, she. There's a lot of weird X factors with Minnie, but it's. Uh, I, I suspect she must have at least had some idea of what was going on. At least, at least as far as the real estate swindles went. So it sounds like Minnie was an opportunivore and turned a blind 
blind eye to a lot of the things that he was doing because she was making a little scratch on the side herself. And Anna was very, very uh, skeptical of, of this whole thing because uh, w- what Adam didn't mention was that many had just in- inherited some land down in Texas. And obviously Holmes had his eye on that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, he told many he would marry her actually under a different – she never knew Holmes as Holmes, uh, an- another assumed name, and, Ho- and Holmes wanted that land. Anna comes to town to prove that this is all fucked up and that, you know, he is a horrible person. She gets there. He like stared deeply into my mustache and all of a sudden she's hey, he's not so bad. <laughs> I also heard she turned a blind eye because he splashed acid in it. No! Accidentally. Oh! Accidentally. It was an accident. <laughs> so Workers you, comp. You got insurance companies pressing to prosecute Holmes for arson. And Holmes left Chicago then in July of 1894. And he reappeared in Fort Worth, where he had inherited property from said sister. So, like John was talking about, he's he's got his eye on Texas. Yeah, uh, literally, uh, right before, not too long before he left Chicago, uh, the last time the Williams sisters were seen at the World's Fair with Holmes playing tennis. Said they were like sitting on the stoop or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I see what you did uh, there. There was a slow burn on that one. Yeah, a it was. Slow burn. <laughs> so he sought to construct another castle, castle <laughs> along the lines of his one in Chicago, once again swindling another suppliers, and the completed building resembled a larger version of the Chicago building. So there we are in Texas. So in July 84, Holmes was arrested and briefly incarcerated for the first time on the charge of selling Mortgaged goods in St. Louis, Missouri. While in jail, he... Uh, Excuse me, that's Missouri. 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 Good old St. Louis, your old stomping ground, John. It is. While in jail, he struck up a conversation with a convicted train robber named Marion Hedgepath, and Holmes had concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of $10,000, which in today's goods is $14.2 trillion. (laughs) (laughs) By... By taking out a policy on himself. It's almost as if you've been doing too much science. (laughs) Too much science. Is that possible? (laughs) By taking out a policy on himself and then faking his death. Holmes promised Hedgepath $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted. I'd buy that for a dollar. Holmes was directed to to a young St. Louis attorney named Jephtha Howe. Jephtha. That sounds straight out of Star Wars. (laughs) <laughs> All of these hedgepeth, like I feel like I'm in some sort of strange combination of like no, Lord right. of the Rings and Star Trek. Go go to Tatooine. You'll meet a man named Jephtha Howe. He will he will tell you uh, that if you go to Alderaan, Alderaan doesn't exist anymore. Shit, son of a bitch. So Howe found Holmes' scheme brilliant, as one is to do. Nevertheless, Holmes' plan to fake his own death failed when the insurance company became suspicious because of the 64th insurance claim he'd made that month. No, 65th. He actually took one out on Alderaan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and uh, let's hear from Adam. It turns out there was one or two lawsuits going against Holmes for said insurance fraud. When he added the third floor onto the hotel that was supposed to be a hotel, um, <laughs> he, he, he'll build it practically out of paper mache. It was basically a facade that he put up and so he could tell his investors, see, I've built a hotel. But he also bought four or five insurance policies on the place. Uh, then mysteriously enough, August of 1893, the place caught fire. Oh, you don't say. Um, 
Yeah, strangely enough, the day after Holmes had taken all the good furniture out up to his house in Wilmette, <laughs> the insurance companies put two and two together very, very quickly. Holmes spent a few months uh, in living in a series of hotels around Chicago, then decided, okay, I think the rule is they can only prosecute me for arson for one year, so I'll just lay low for a year out in Texas. Wow, yeah. So he uh, headed out for Texas with the insurance companies already on his heels. Uh, but he took Benjamin Peitzel with him, one of his uh, occasional partners, to build another building down in Texas. And all the while, they'd also bought an insurance policy on Peitzel's life. The plan was that they were going to fake his death and take the insurance money. Which worked out so many times for him. Why not? Right? <laughs> so yeah, so he, he, he claimed that he'd done that many times. Well, when he was Later on, when he was claiming, nope, I'm not a murderer, I'm just an insurance fraudster, he said he'd done it over and over again. So Peitzel, Peitzel even knowing Holmes is less than... Uh, stellar reputation. He you know knew some of the things that Holmes was doing at least. Um, yeah, Peitzel goes along with it, but winds up being that one that you were talking about that actually got murdered. Right. Well, he had been telling you, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Philadelphia and fake your death. We're going to find the dead body that looks like you and say it was you for the insurance money. And having worked with Holmes long enough, you'd think Peitzel would have known better. I mean, he'd already ended up in jail because of Holmes's uh, forged check scheme one time in Indiana. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, he'd been. He'd actually, at, at the time of Peitzel's murder, he was a more notorious criminal than Holmes was. He wow. had been uh, locked up in Terre Haute, Indiana, for on a check forging scheme for a while. It made quite a lot of news at the time. So Holmes didn't press the claim because they weren't going to pay out. So instead, he concocted a similar plan with his associate Peitzel, that- Benjamin Peitzel. By the way, every time I see his name, I get really thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I, man, I love mm. these Peitzels, but they just make me so thirsty. <laughs> I see what you did there. Do you got any mustard? He has his Peitzels with acid. <laughs> <laughs> That's tangy. That's tangy right there. Peitzel agreed to fake his own death so that his wife could collect on a $10,000 life insurance policy, which she was supposed to split with Holmes and the unscrupulous attorney, Jep Howe. So Peitzel had been his goon, his lackey, for lack of a better term. His beast man. Uh, since he was building. <laughs> I'll get it for you. <laughs> the, uh, Peitzel started working for Holmes when he was building the murder castle and had been involved in, in various nefarious schemes all the way throughout. And he's still, so he's been working for Holmes this whole time, seeing how unscrupulous and devious and, and almost murderous Holmes is. Holmes says, hey, let's almost. fake your death. And he's like, yeah, sounds yeah. like a good plan. So Peitzel says, yeah, that's, that sounds like a great idea. So they, they decide that they're going to go to Philadelphia because, as we mentioned, hmm. Holmes needed to boot scoot boogie out of Chicago. The, 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 <laughs> wait, the, he got, wait, did you just boot scoot boogie? <laughs> I did that. I dropped that there. <laughs> uh, tell Dosey Dill your way on, John. <laughs> <laughs> they're in Philadelphia, and he says, listen, we're going to get a body. If you hadn't heard this story before, we're going to get a cadaver, and we're going to claim it's you. You want a body? I'll get you a body by three o'clock. So it wasn't it it, it, it wasn't just a toe; it was an entire body. Uh, but we're going to. If you haven't heard the story before, we're going to take a body. We're going to uh, malign the face with acid, so you can't tell who it is. And then your wife is going to go collect the insurance. This guy just had acid on him at all times. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's that flask? <laughs> And we're not talking like Woodstock. Don't eat the brown acid. Yeah. The brown acid's gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking like sulfuric acid. Yeah. Or <laughs> Just bad acid. Bad, yeah. <laughs> Once again, Woodstock. Tommy no. took a drink, but now he'll drink no more for what he thought was H2O was H2SO4. We learned that in chemistry class. 
Thank you, Brian Conklin. Mr. Conklin, yeah. yes! <laughs> Three of our listeners will understand that. <laughs> all right, anyway. Um, so they get to Philadelphia, and, and you're all going to be surprised by this. Holmes does not, in fact, go get a cadaver. He just kills Benjamin Peitzel. No. He does. I don't he believe does. that for a second. Uh, he turns in Peitzel's body, collects on the insurance, and then starts giving a very, very weird, weirdly specific set of instructions to Peitzel's wife. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, uh, you first, you need to give three of your kids to me. I'm not kidding when I say that. And she said, yeah, sounds like a plan. So he takes three of her kids and they go on a cross country road trip. Unfortunately, they are not going to Wally World. They are going to their death. Sorry, kids. Wally World's closed. <laughs> oh, that's dark. That's, that's really good. You're have so much fun. Your plastic surgeon's going to have to wipe the fucking smile off your fucking faces. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. <laughs> So uh, Mrs. Peitzel keeps her eldest daughter uh, and the baby with her. She's told by Holmes that uh, that Benjamin's still alive and he's in London right now. And she just needs to follow his directions explicitly. <laughs> Holmes and the other three kids travel throughout the northeastern United States and into Canada. But throughout the way, Holmes decides that the kids need to die. I We don't know if it's it's just to get rid of the evidence, if he just feels like killing people. So first, have you ever traveled cross country with three kids? <laughs> yeah, come on, I don't like I'm the guy. He did the right point. thing, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying I understand. He's done yeah. awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you. But no, no, get less about Mike, more about Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Holmes would later confess to murdering the two the two girls that he had with him, Alice and Nellie, by forcing them into a, a large trunk, an, another theme here, trunks, and locking them inside. He drilled a hole in the lid and put one end to a, uh, of a gas hose through it, and it asphyxiated them. Holmes buried their bodies in the basement of a rental house. Adam mentioned this as well. Let's hear from Adam. This is a guy who buried dead bodies in a shallow grave in the basement of a rental property <laughs> that other people were going to move right into. <laughs> a Philadelphia detective, Frank Geyer, had tracked Holmes, finding the decomposed bodies of the two Peitzel girls there in Toronto, buried at the cellar at 16 St. Vincent Lane. Also, he had the boy with him. Geyer then found that Holmes had gone to Indianapolis, where he rented a cottage. He was reported to have visited a local pharmacy to, pur- to purchase the drugs that he used to kill the little boy, Howard Peitzel. He shouldn't have done that. He's just a boy. Poor little feller. (laughs) Seabot's on fire today. He really is. No, fuck, he's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's that damn furnace acting up again, getting hot. (laughs) Just kidding. I am just playing with matches. All right, Seabot. The chimney at that cottage we were just talking about, that detective found the boy's teeth and bits of bone in. We could say that Mrs. Peitzel perhaps should not have let her children go with Mr. Holmes. Mm. That's a lesson to all of you parents out there. If there's a homicidal maniac or an insurance frauder asking to let your children go cross country with them, 
don't allow or that. Or just anyone that isn't you or a <laughs> relative. Let's, you know, let's be a little choosy. Choosy moms choose Jif. They don't choose Holmes. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, so Brent, uh, we understand who he killed and how he did it. How did he get caught? So in 1894, the police were tipped off by Holmes' former cellmate, Hedgepath, who Holmes had neglected to pay off his promise for help in providing attorney, Jep the Howe. So Holmes is in jail, says, hey, do you know a good attorney? Yeah, I do, but you got to pay me 500 bucks. Okay, deal. I'll send you 500 bucks. What's the name of the attorney? Jep the Howe. Great. Gets out, doesn't send the $500. It's, it's, so many th- it's like, you ever seen the movie War Dogs? Like, they no, get, I've never they, even heard of that. Oh, it's those guys that sell. It's Seriously? a true story. Jordan Hill? It, they, they, they sold. It's a true oh, story. War dogs. Warthogs. <laughs> they sold. They sold yeah, war dogs. No warthogs. It's the Netflix version. <laughs> so they sold weapons, and the reason they got caught is one guy that hooked them up with a, a box supplier. They didn't fucking pay him. Like so many of these people get caught on these little technicalities because they're so fucking greedy. Right. This guy had all the money he needed, but he's like, "No, nah, I'm not paying this one motherfucker five hundred dollars." All right. Deuces. You're I just collected screwed. 10K, yeah. which, as you mentioned, was $3.3 trillion at yeah. the time. Give or take. My abacus is broken, so I'm not 100% sure on that, but yeah, somewhere around Adjust there. the decimal for, you know, no, inflation. No, yeah, you're, yeah, you're within 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Holmes' murder spree finally ended when he was arrested in Boston on November 17th, 1894. For the second be- time. He, uh, he was, this was, this yeah. was the second arrest. After being tracked from Philadelphia by the Pinkertons, the Pinkerton agents. It's in all, mm. all the good old westerns and shit. Ah, oh, the Pinkertons. The Literally timers. the only good cops around at right. the time. Which were private. Right, right. So October 95, 1895, Holmes was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel and was found guilty and sentenced to death. By then, it was evident that Holmes had also murdered the Peitzel children and many other people that they, you know, they were just like, this guy needs to fucking hang. Funny, when he went to trial, the prosecutors did such a bad job trying him that when it came time to defend his defense, they're like, you know what? We're good. We are good. We're not going to say anything. And he was still convicted in like an hour when they asked later. They're like, yeah, we didn't know if he did this or not, but he's obviously killed all these other people. So fucking kill him. Well, and also he had he, the the first day of his trial, he had fired his own attorneys yeah. and, and decided that he was going to defend himself. He took that Ted. Well, Bundy sure. Pass. Cause he didn't want to pay him. <laughs> he, was, he was using these really thing. shitty defense tactics. Like, uh, Oh, Howard Peitzel, you, you found teeth in the in the fireplace. Well, that, that was just a tooth fairy, really aggressive <laughs> tooth fairy. Uh, Plus, it's 1890s. There's teeth everywhere. And can you really prove that they're from this one child? Like, I, I submit that you can't. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he proved a direct correlation for all of those who burned between their pants being on fire and their <laughs> proclivity to lie. <laughs> so following his conviction, Holmes just starts singing. So he confesses to 27 murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto, though some of the people that he confessed to murdering were still fucking alive. <laughs> and six attempted murders that Holmes was paid $7,500 worth, now this is actual math, $216,000 today by the Hearst newspapers in exchange for his confession, which was quickly found to be nonsense. What we're saying there is, 
Holmes started saying he killed everyone. And then that, if you ask him and he talked to other people, that 27 turned to be two, 300 people. Like it was ridiculous. He just started claiming things. People that Mr. never Holmes, existed. Mr. Holmes, who killed Jesus? I did. Yeah. <laughs> My last city disterminator is also a time machine. <laughs> I mean, it does have Terminator in it. That cat seems cool. So Holmes gave various contradictions accounts of his life. <laughs> Like my, the fact that he used the name Holmes <laughs> like, and everything else, initially claiming innocence. And then later, later he said that he was possessed by Satan. His propensity for lying has made it difficult for researchers to ascertain the truth on the basis of his statements. And while writing his confession in prison, Holmes mentioned how drastically his facial expressions had changed since his imprisonment. He described his new grim appearance as gruesome and taking a a satanical cast and wrote that he was now convinced that after everything he had done, he was beginning to resemble the devil. And uh, according to our party pooper now, (laughs) or or truth sayer, whatever you want to call him, our guest, uh, that may, he might not even have said all of that. Yeah. Let's actually go to Adam here and he can talk about one of the most famous quotes by Holmes really wasn't by Holmes. It was just a summation. Ah, this is what he was trying to say. Let's go to Adam real quick. No, the the famous quote is I was born with the devil in me. The evil one was uh, sitting at my, as my sponsor, et cetera. Um, it, it's supposed to have been in his confession, but it's it's really not. It's in a fake excerpts of the confession that another newspaper leaked the night before. And he, he did say things kind of to that effect, but it was uh, he wasn't that quotable. It took him like six paragraphs to say the same thing. So fast forward to May 7th, 1896. Holmes is hanged at Moya Mincing Prison, also known as the Philadelphia County Prison. It would have been so by much that. easier. <laughs> <laughs> Moya Mincing. For the murder of Benjamin Peitzel until the moment. And of his Mr. Death. Moya Mincing is so angry that they changed the name. Come on. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he went on to start up his own little club called Mensa. <laughs> Never he realized how difficult it is to, to pronounce. Joe goes out of his way to remind us that he is a Mensa member. Thank you, Joe. I didn't know such thing. Uh, Lies. Excuse me. A Moya Mensing member. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Yeah. Former, former tenant. <laughs> so until the moment of his death, Holmes remained calm and amiable, showing very little signs of fear, anxiety, or depression. There's literally reports that uh, when they, when the hangman was getting it ready, was kind of fidgeting with the noose and not, it wasn't just working right for him. He said, "Don't worry about it. Take your time." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's creepy as fuck. One of my favorite uh, stories about I forget what train robber in the 1800s that was sentenced to hang. And they said, do you have anything, any last words? He said, I came here to die, not to give a speech. Get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) So despite this, he asked for his coffin to be contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep because his concerned grave robbers would steal his body and use it for dissection. That's actually not exact, not just dissection. A thing that was going on at the time was grave robbers were digging up people of prominence and then holding them at ransom, the bodies, and making the families pay money and then they'd give it back. So it's the exact opposite of the Dave Matthews classic, Grave Digger. Grave Digger, when you dig my grave, could you make it shallow so that I can 
Thank whole, you, conspiracy bot. Kind of like the whole thing with Lincoln. They fucking they were digging him up and shit. Finally, like the third time they buried him, they put him in Springfield, and he's like literally inside ten feet of of cement. Like no one's getting him out. And 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 the and who the fuck goes to Springfield? No. Hey! Oh, <laughs> to all of our Springfield friends. <laughs> So unfortunately, when they do hang him, his neck doesn't snap and said he was strangled to death slowly, <laughs> twitching over 15 minutes before pronounced dead, 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung. Death followed him wherever he went. <laughs> and as his last words, as he was dangling there, he looked at the executioner and he was like, dumbass, I told you to take your time and do it right. <laughs> <laughs> no more homes, question mark. Brent, what happened, though, to the murder castle? Castle <laughs> So it was mysteriously gutted by fire in August of 1895. So about a year before he died. And according to newspaper clippings from the New York Times, two men were seen entering the back of the castle between 8 and 9 p.m. And about a half hour later, they were seen exiting the building, rapidly running away. Following several explosions, the castle went up in flames, as one is <laughs> uh, known to do. Afterwards, investigators found... Do you think it was the holy hand grenade? Yeah, of Antioch. <laughs> they found a half-empty gas can underneath the back steps of the building. Some believe that the perpetrators broke into the castle and started the fire in order to destroy evidence that the police hadn't discovered yet. Others believe that some outraged citizens started the fire, which both of those are realistic. You know, any No, that's show. not realistic. If it was outraged citizens, you don't storm a castle with a gas can. You storm <laughs> it with torches and pitchforks. Everyone knows this. <laughs> <laughs> so the building survived the fire and remained in use until it was torn down in 1938 uh, under the, the um, common sense law, I think they called it. <laughs> so I just want to know that I want to know what happened in between the, the fire and and 1938, that it was still in use. Hey, does anyone need a building that has a bunch of trap doors, false walls, a vault that you can't get out of, and that that potentially a, hundreds a of people died that in? mysteriously gets hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story of Holmes and the murder castle. As soon as I get home, the first thing I'm going to do is punch your mama in the mouth. Thank you, conspiracy bot. The We've we've went to Adam a lot in this, and as John kind of um, alluded to, he's the the party pooper, and the only reason he's the party pooper is everyone puts Holmes on a pedestal. Um, wow! There, there's a guy by the name <laughs> pedestal. That's that's the wrong word. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. I mean, in, they did when they hung him, but like, yeah. everyone. Guys, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone makes him out to be, you know, this huge um he killed hundreds of people and he did this and that and the other. And Adam has researched him for the last decade of his life and he's like, you know, I, I went through the microfilm, I did this and that and microfiche thing. Microfiche. Mm. And he he's just like, I I it doesn't add up. It was a great <laughs> one might say urban legend, tall tale. But that's not to be confused with another gentleman who loves to talk about Mr. Holmes, a Jeff Mudgeon. Jeff is actually H.H. H. Holmes' great-great-grandson who is in the news right now because he is currently, as we speak, having Holmes' body exhumed. Oh, how I've missed you, Holmes. <laughs> because they think that Holmes actually was such a con man, he conned his way out of being the one to die and... Escaped to South America. Literally, when they when 
when they took the coffin with Holmes' dead body out of the prison, it was actually Holmes' live body. And they let him escape. I would like to point out that although our guest has done 10 years of research, gone to innumerable libraries, books, other sources of, of material, I did one week of research, watched a couple of YouTube clips, and made it all the way through the first page of Google. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I know more than he does. And run the, read the book jacket for Devil in the White City. I mean, John is an expert. I Thank you. It, it's a it's an interesting story, I, John. You seem to be the one who buys into the um, that he was the larger mythos? than life. So why don't you tell us, like, what do you think about Holmes? What what are your thoughts on the official first serial killer in America? Which is horse shit, by the way. But keep going. Yeah, I mean, the, we know that there were frontier, early frontier serial killers. Joe was one when you know time, you know time travel, time travel. Right, right, right. <laughs> Signature song. Unless you're one of his victims, then it's not going to be so alright. Do you literally pay Conspiracy Bot to do that for you? He pays me in sexual favors. And by that, I mean he does me the favor of not trying to have sex with me. No comment. Brent, my thoughts on it are this. I don't know how murdery the murder castle was. Some people say that it had, you know. (laughs) All right, skipping you, Joe. Murder. Murder. 50% more murder. Hey, <laughs> kids, you love murder? Come on down to the murder castle. I see dead people. <laughs> Here's my point. There there might not have been all of these amazing rooms that people... I just want reference. to point out real quick, our producer is sitting in the corner. Lisa's our producer. She's not cracked a fucking smile. Nothing. How? I guess because we're not funny. Jephthah how? Yeah. <laughs> Jephthah how has she not laughed? <laughs> keep going. Keep going. She's just, she's just sizing up the basement trying to figure out, you know, if you all down there. This, this job doesn't pay is, nearly She's enough. actually texting Michael as we speak. Yeah. Like, is, <laughs> is the shoot greased enough? <laughs> <laughs> Do we use straight lard? Do we use baking grease? What oddly, are we going with Oddly here? enough, asking if the shoot is greased enough is something I'm sure she said once or twice in her life. <laughs> Moving on, John, back to you. <laughs> all right. All right. So. My thoughts are pretty simple on this. I don't know. My point that I was trying to make was I'm not sure that all of these crazy murder rooms existed. However, I know that enough of the murder rooms existed. This this dude was a crazy fuck that had murder rooms in the building he built. This was at the same time of the of the World's Fair. And we know for a fact that people disappeared all the time in Chicago and other major metropolitan areas, especially when there's something like the World's Fair that brought in hundreds of thousands of people a week. That's not, I'm not making that up. I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of thousands of people a week. People disappeared. They had nowhere, they couldn't, their, their family couldn't search for them. This was the perfect environment for a guy like Holmes to take advantage of and to make a lot of people disappear. I'm not saying that he killed the 200 that some people allege, but I'm also not convinced that he's this mundane, killed one or two people just for insurance purposes, and that everyone else is just making a bigger deal out of it than it was deserved. There's so much... there. 
it, everything, what, what I'm saying is speculation, but what everything everyone else is saying is speculation. There's no proof because it was so long ago and no one, no one contained records of this shit. There are no records. It is all speculation. When we know that someone is murderous and we know that they literally built a building to help murder people, my proclivity is to believe that they probably used it. I think the thing that makes him so fascinating to me is you look at all these serial killers and most of them kill because they have this need. Like there's something missing in them and it was, you know, uh, evident since birth and they were going to be fucking killers. It seems to me with Holmes that he killed just as a means to an end and that end was money. The thing that really made him tick was greed. He wanted money and every one of his deaths other than maybe like the children were for a reason. Well, they were probably for a reason too, but for a reason of, he was trying to extort somebody or he was selling the bones. He was making money out of it somehow, which doesn't usually fit in with all the serial killers that we see on a, you know, a daily basis in the media and things like that. I think that this was at a time, which we've talked about before when newspaper reporting was terrible. Like we'd said in our Aurora, Texas, it's because it is it is so fucking spot on right now. Alternative facts. (laughs) So we talked about, you know, they would sell stories like in the Aurora, Texas, our episode on that, like they were just trying to fill up anything they could and they wanted you to read their story. So, of course, they're going to embellish a little bit and the murder house you know you've seen the cutaway and all that that is based on as adam told us like a 1940s i think it was pulp, oh, you, mean, you mean the uh blueprints the blueprints a 1940s pulp story like there were some rooms like one room that had you know rope in there oh he must have been used as a hanging room and this and that but he did have like a airtight bank vault and he did have this and that and the other one of the pieces of, of proof that like it wasn't a murder rope it looked like blood. It turns out it was just chemicals. Well, a chemical laced piece of rope sitting in the basement does not lead me to have an easy stomach. True. True. And there's there's also questions about like people say, oh, he killed hundreds of people. If you talk to Jeff Mudgett, he's going to tell you that he killed hundreds and hundreds or thousands of people and he burnt them in the cellar. There's actually people that say that the furnace, he wanted to use the furnace in the basement, but it wasn't hot enough to actually be a crematorium. And he owned one across town that he was using for quote unquote glass blowing. And maybe that was the one that he used to, to cremate people. Yeah. I think they said it was at Damon and Clyborne, like literally where Vienna beef is right now. Mm. Hey, that's the number one snack of hunters, Vienna beef sausages. Oh, no, those are the Vienna sausages. Or they come in a can. Oh, v- you're talking about Vienna same, fingers? Not the same. I don't think that's the same, the same company, no. Oh. No, Vienna beef, Vienna beef has I'm been turning people I'm getting a shaking my head no ho- from, the, from the control room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Come on. Vienna beef's been turning people into hot dogs since 1894. <laughs> anyway, back to my fucking theories. <laughs> I believe that he killed several people. I don't think he killed 27 people. I don't think he probably killed 20. He probably killed a handful of people. He was a sicko and people capitalized on it. And, um, his legend lived on. It's the legend of fucking like Johnny mm. Appleseed who walked across the country planting apples. Well, he was doing that so he could make booze. You shut the you fuck know? up. And that is mm. true. Johnny <laughs> Appleseed is a saint. I tell you <laughs> a saint. I, I think that, you know, he did, he did exist. He did 
he did kill it <laughs> exist of course he uh, he did kill <laughs> <laughs> he killed a lot of people he was nowhere near what people made him out to be and he was also nowhere the the murder house was nowhere near what it was it was just a big insurance scam mike what are your thoughts on on mr mudget hh holmes I'm- I'm sort of like the the mirror image of the theory that you just put out. Like, I think he was kind of this bloodthirsty serial killer who needed to fund his his hobby. It's kind of, you know, kind of like when people are into, like, making little models or something and they can't figure out how to finance it. And then they discover Etsy. <laughs> yeah. Know? And then they, they start like, killing sort of, people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tip, he's it's like, you know, every I, day. I, I got all these bodies and I'm running out of money. Oh, people buy bodies, you know, like, so then he, he discovers he can get insurance claims. He can sell bones. So I think I think he was using, uh, you know, I think he was using it to fund his his true passion, which was uh Apparently smashing teeth out of little boys' heads and stuff. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a hobby. That's that old thing. chestnut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, bring us home, Mr. Peck. What do you think? Bring us homes. Bam. Mr. Holmes? Uh, I think it's a Monty Python's Life of Brian situation. <laughs> I think the reason the guy <laughs> calmly looked at the hangman and said, take your time, is because he was so down and out by that point, by all of the horrible things that had befallen him in life, <laughs> that he was just like, can we end this? All he wanted to do is run a really nice bed and breakfast. Oh, yeah. All I ever <laughs> wanted to do was get a Yelp review. Um, no, I... I I actually fall somewhere in between all three of you. I, I fall in between all of you. Like I have I have this weird thing about anyone who's involved with killing, and I think there's absolute evidence he killed somebody. So like you can't apply logic to someone who takes life. Right. Like I think I think certainly, you know, Brent, you have a great point. Like certainly I think that it's possible that in life, like any person like could find themselves in circumstances where somehow, some way they could take someone's life. I think you could be sick enough as a human being that you could be willing to kill someone in order to make money from it. I think somewhere on the other line, like there are probably people who want to kill people, but that's the whole point. Like once you get to that point, I don't think any of us who don't go kill people all the time and like Michael, you know, I don't know you that well. You're guesting from the West Coast, so I don't know how you roll. But, like, I think none of us here are people who are off, you know, murdering all day long. I mean, how do you account for that? Like, you can't apply logic to that. So it's like maybe he did some of this stuff for money. And and maybe, like, at one point it kind of happened and he realized he could cash in this insurance stuff and then it got easier Maybe it was a sick lust to like do this. Maybe it grew over time. How do you possibly even guess? And like, how do you guess like how intricately he was willing to build a house to do it? Maybe he was, maybe I, you know, I don't know, but I <laughs> maybe mean, he was dabbling in architecture and just really bad at it. Yeah. He just <laughs> this doesn't sucked. go anywhere. I just, I just He's like, it. ah, yet again, another three by three room is left over. <laughs> Put a door in there. Don't make me look like an idiot. <laughs> Joe, I feel like, I feel like you were projecting on Mike. Like, oh yeah, you're on the West coast. Maybe you're off murdering somebody, but, <laughs> but really <laughs> you, you've got some nefarious plans of your own. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shh. So, so those are our thoughts. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about H.H. Holmes? And more importantly, maybe, what do you guys think about Hysteria 51? Let us know. Do you like the show? Do you hate the show? 
review us. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts app or iTunes if you're old school and leave a rating and a review. The big part there is the review. It really helps folks discover the show and grow Hysteria Nation which is our Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook. Just look for Hysteria Nation. We got some social shout outs, some new people who are Patreon supporters, John. Well, first is one of our good friends in Hysteria Nation, Tazzy Gal. Yeah, she is probably one of our most active members. Yeah, we really appreciate it. She is now a Patreon supporter. Not you, to- I teed you up on, a, on an active member joke there, and you just glanced right over it. Member. Me- member. Keep going. I, I, I just, I don't even, I, 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 conspiracy bot, help me so out it's here. A John Hol- it's a John Holmes. If Holt. you place a picture side by side of the Hadron Collider and conspiracy the you're a fucking idiot. He's my ass with a sport. Between the uh-huh. two. I think a he makes swing a good point. and a miss. I think- and if I want, I will swing with your miss, Joe. Wait, you're not married. That's right. No one loves you. Carry on. <laughs> also, also, thank you, Conspiracy Bot. I mean, he's amazing. I, I, Brent, I, I mean, for all his downfalls, you did a good job. Thank you. Um, also, a big shout out and thank you to the Ectoplasm Show, a big podcast that we're fans and supporters of. Just became a supporter of us on Patreon as well. There you go. Thank you, guys. Brent. As you mentioned before, we do have our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just go to Facebook.com, search Hysteria Nation. Also, if you want to make sure and keep up with the show and our show updates, make sure and like our page on Facebook, Hysteria 51 Podcast. Also, hop on Twitter. We're at Hysteria 51 Pod. And if you want to hear your voice on the show, give us a voicemail, 773-669-7277. That's 773-669-7277. Call in, leave us a voicemail, we're going to play you. And if you can't remember any of that jazz, go to Hysteria51.com, there's links to everything on there. We're going to hook you up. And we're also hooking H.H. Holmes back up in a few weeks because we're doing another episode. What's that episode going to be, John? I feel like this is the end of a Marvel movie. If you waited all the way until the end, you get a, you get a preview of future episodes Uh-oh. because I guarantee you three quarters of our listeners are already tuned out. Fuck them. Fuck those <laughs> listeners. They can't hear us. They don't hear you. They have no this. idea. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're, You're cool. cool. Fuck you. <laughs> but those of you that are still with us, hey, uh, in two weeks, I believe, we are going to do an episode on was H.A. Holmes actually Jack the Ripper. Oh, so so he was he was killing some prostitutes in England. And that's when the whores come in. <laughs> it's always the fucking whores. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. All right, gentlemen. I, I think I'm going to resign my position yeah. from this show. I mean, I, I give up. So that's your new opinion on H.H. Holmes. Hey, Brent, I'm here for you. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. I'm Joe. I'm Mike. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod.
been listening to a fourth hand joint.